Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 148 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. So have you ever wished that you had something specific to be able to hand someone in order to tell them what are good things to say and what are really stupid things to say that you should avoid? Well, if you've ever wanted to have something to hand to people, this week's guest is really the person for you because she wrote a book that is based just on that. The book is called What Did You Say? You can find it on Amazon. And it goes through those kind of comments that people say that really are very well-meaning but hurt tremendously. And the most beautiful thing about it is in each instance, it she goes through recommendations as to what should have been said instead. So I am excited to introduce all of you to Sharita and for you to be able to hear the story of her children and her grief journey. Thank you so much, Sharita, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. I am so looking forward to talking to you. Thank you for having me. Really, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Sharita reached out to me just a few weeks ago now, not that long ago, because she's got a book that she wanted to talk about that I'm really excited to talk to you about. And interestingly, we kind of talked about the book and I had known that she had joined Compassionate Friends a number of years ago after the death of her son, William. But what I didn't know until after we wrote back and forth a few times was that she has actually lost three of her sons. So it's funny because we started talking today and I said, that's really hard for me to wrap my head around. And Sharita's response was, that's really hard for me to wrap my head around. So I think that's true. It's just so unbelievable to have gone through this loss, not once, not twice, but three times. And they're all very separate instances, not related to each other at all. But I do want to start out just kind of how I always start out by talking about our kids and what made them unique and what made them special and their wonderful personalities so we can get to know them a little bit. So in your case, we get to talk about three of your five kids. So why don't you tell us a little bit about William? Well, William was the last child and the best and brightest and funniest. He kind of ruled the house being the baby. Yeah. Everybody kind of catered to him. He and Emir were the closest in age, but William tended to dominate how things went. And uh, Amir just kind of went along. 
It's funny how sometimes those tag-alongs can be like that. I see that in households sometimes. And I'll even have conversations with families like, you can't let the baby boss everyone else around. But it's just so easy to do it, right? For those older siblings to be like, oh, it's William. He's so cute. We don't want him crying. Whatever. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just a delight to be around. Just a, a really, really cool kid. Mm-hmm. He made me laugh. We're a spiritual Christian uh, family. And mm-hmm. William would always kind of remind us, uh, di- or, you know, hey, did you pray about it? You know, and he and, uh-huh. and um, his great grandparents would come over and they said, you know, William can pray. And they were all oh, the baby. And he was a little guy. He was just like four, right? Yes. They yeah. would call him in whenever they came over to visit and have him. To, he laid hands on his great great grandfather. Yeah. Really? And, you know, and then he went back out to play. It was like he said a few words and went out. And he he, he would do stuff like that. And he also would, um, the, the, the one time the kids were. They had found an old mattress out of the back of the alley, the back of the house. They had dragged uh-huh. the mattress over to the house and was doing flips off the roof. <gasps> William was a part of the jumping. And, 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 and I, I'm looking out the kitchen window going, what's going on? And I flew out the window. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. I bet you were like... <laughs> I can't even imagine. But he would always <laughs> do things that I, uh-huh. you know, I had to really stay on my toes about and watch. And yeah. It, yeah. What were the ages of all your kids then? Well, how far apart are they all? Maybe that'd be an easier question to ask. If I go between, if I. Top to bottom. Yeah. Bryant, my oldest, is 18 mm-hmm. months older than my daughter. Okay. And then the next child is, let's see, two years younger. Elon was two years younger than and Yisa. And then, let me see, Elon was born in 78. Emir was born in 83. So that's more like five, five years. Five years. Huh? And then. Yeah, so they're the farthest right. apart. And then the last two were kind of close together. Right, right. The five and then the net, the baby would have been, you know. Uh, I guess yeah, seven ish. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Okay, okay. Wow, but you had a busy, busy house. Yeah, it was, it was. So there was one that had a pretty big age gap, but the others were pretty close together. Yeah. I mean, eighteen months, two years, pretty close yeah. together. So you had a lot happening. I bet they had a lot of fun. They did. They did. They yeah. Yeah, they you know basketball and at school things and William William would have been going to school the year he died and so I was mm-hmm. gearing up for a couple of things either I was going to homeschool him and Emir or mm-hmm. that's what I that's what my mind was at yeah I wanted to be able to put into them a little bit more Christian principles and mm-hmm. godly you know principles and things like that so that's because i had started buying curriculum and researching oh really so okay a lot of things just changed yeah 1990 yeah yeah Yeah. 
we can go on now and, and talk about Amir and Alan, if you want, just about their personalities okay. as kids, because I think that would be fun to yeah. do. And then we'll step back and talk about what happened to William. Okay. Emir, mm-hmm. his name is, it means prince. It's a Middle Eastern uh, Arabic name, mm-hmm. Emir. The, the, uh-huh. the, it, it, Emir means prince in Arabic. Mm-hmm. And so okay. that was pretty much him he wore that he was proud of that of being the, really? you know okay. the prince and like coming to america kind of thing that guy okay. is the king in some land some far far away land that you know could be respected and loved sweet artistic he he loved to draw he drew he drew uh cartoons and he made a um he was a part of the illustrated, he did the illustrations for a class project for thing, the pulling mm-hmm. things together. He loved doing things like that. And he also was a tattoo artist. Oh, really? And so. Oh, it, well that. Yeah. Yeah, that, I could see how it would lead to that. All that artistic yeah. ability would lead to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. He, he mm-hmm. was good. And he did a lot of tattoos and we sent him to, to, to school and. You know, got to to get all of the, you know, the learning and I would help him with buying his art and and inks and just, you know, different things. And he sometimes would do tat up people at in the house. (laughs) What was kind of interesting, crazy about that is that tattoos hurt. You know, I've never had one, but. One young lady came over and she really shook the house with her hollering. And I, what? Hold on. I'm, I'm, you know, he's down in the basement making all, you know, doing his thing. And it's like, ah, uh, Emir, we're going to have to find you your own studio or something. Because. <laughs> right, right, right. People are going to think something else is going on in this house, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I have spoken to a lot of moms, bereaved moms, who have had tattoos after their kids have died. And I have thought about it, but I never have done it. Yeah. Well, my daughter has taken that place. She has. Because my daughter and Emir were the closest of all the siblings. Yeah. Uh, They're eight years apart, and he was like her baby. She wanted a sister. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it it was her brother, then her. And then the line, and then so Emir should have been a girl for her, but <laughs> she thought every other kid, right? Right, right. But the, she was she wound up being the only girl. Anyway, right. um, uh, but her and Emir got along the best, and so yes, yeah, she got he he tat he tatted her, and she got uh-huh. things to remember Emir and her grandmother, you know, different things she's gotten. From Emir, yeah, that he actually tatted her. Yeah, that's neat, and that that's special. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about Elan now? Elan, oh boy. So he was your middle child, right? And he had that typical middle child issue, challenge, or what have you. Yeah. Of. I'm not the oldest. I'm not the baby. Uh, you know, so how do I fit yeah. in? And William got everybody's attention and would boss people around and, 
Emir and William would sort of play together. Elon would sometimes yeah. have other friends come to just have that balance. Even though, I mean, he played with his sister, his older sister and an older brother. But that typical middle. Right. But still, there wasn't somebody really close, like a boy, right. super close in age to right. him. He was like five years the one way or yeah. probably, you know, three and a half, four the other yeah. way, too. Yeah. Right. So, so he, yeah. his was mm-hmm. usually he was going with some to someone else's house to play or they he somebody else was coming to our house to play with him like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, of course. During the summers and, and, and they'd be outside and doing a sprinkler and uh, pools, sandbox, doing different things. They all, it would just be a mishmash of, it didn't matter who was there and other kids would come to the house because there's always somebody to play with. Other boys, of course. Sure. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But sweet and dear and dear, handsome. It took... Uh, I had to explain things to him a little bit more, uh, whereas my oldest child would just catch on to it and run with it. And my daughter, she she even though she was the second, she acted like the oldest, and she still does. She caught on to it, but Elon, I had to just explain things just a little bit more to him, like the dishes. It was his turn to wash the dishes. Elon would wash just the dishes i'd have to come back and say well there's the pots and pans and like this Uh, but he said well yes you said mom you know so it was one of those things he you know they would do good and it did typical kid things and again a pretty fun household with all of those kids i'm sure Mm -hmm. lots of fun and lots of excitement so your first big change obviously came, as you said earlier, in 1990. So why don't you talk about that and what happened to William? We were all at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, and all three of my boys died on a Thursday. Thursday is our oh typical goodness. day, night to go to choir rehearsal. And at that time I was directing the choir. So we went to eat because I didn't have time to do dinner stuff before time to get to church. And we were all supposed to, we finished up, we were at Pizza Hut and William and Amir said they had to go to the restroom. And there was two doors to the restroom. William decided to go out the door I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And he went out and the older boys had went across the street to go to a boutique. William decided to follow them. And that's where he got hit by the car. Wow. So you were waiting, watching the one door and he snuck out the other one without you knowing. Right. And then just in an instant. He he would do that. Now he, uh, William and Emir were together. Emir, when I I I I hear the crash and what have you, and yeah. I tell my daughter, "Hey, help! Run! Go!" You know that kind of thing. So right. my daughter was the first one to get to him because he was laying in the street. Uh-huh. But Emir, you know, just a couple of years older. He's he's uh, in in the car. 
And he, he really? said, I told William to come to the car. But theoretically, in my mind and heart, I thought they both could have crossed the street. And I could have lost right, them both right. that day. And this is the first time I've yeah. shared that without breaking mm -hmm. down. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that's probably helpful for people to hear, right? Because this is now 32 years ago, right? That this happened. This is a long time ago. And I think it's reassuring to all of us because I can't tell the story of Andy without breaking down for sure. I'm not four years. I absolutely can't. Um, to know that that's okay. It's okay to be, to still be just really emotional when you have to talk about such a devastating, horrible thing. Mm -hmm. So you told me that after William's death, you already started having some of these writings that ended up becoming your book eventually. Yes. As um, people came to, to visit and yeah, you know, mm -hmm. during the funeral times, bring dishes and, yeah. you know, come. And one of the, the ladies from church who also had five children, mm -hmm. she came and said, oh, you know, other things. But the thing that stood out was that she said, well, at least you have four others. Yeah. She was the first. Mm -hmm. I was standing in the kitchen when she said it. And normally I'm a mild, you know, kind person. And and I and again, because we both have five children, mm -hmm. I said, uh, which one of yours would you like to die so you can say you have four others? Yeah. I'm glad you said that actually. <laughs> I, I have a good friend, Stephanie, who had five, and she lost one. And someone said that same thing to her, same exact thing. And she said, she thought in her head, and which of yours would you like to right. die? And, but she didn't say it right. out loud. And I, I'm proud of you, actually, for saying it out loud. Yeah. Because it is something that people don't think about. I know they, they put it in their own head to make themselves feel a little bit right. better. But, it's, but they don't really think about no. it. What, what did she respond do you remember what she said or did? I felt bad because I don't like to hurt people's Seven. feelings. Right. right but right. Uh -huh. so I noticed she dropped her head. People right. around her honed in on her and looked at her. Oh, you know. Yeah. And then she said, no, there, I, I wouldn't want that to happen. Just. No, you know, she just yeah. kind of agreed with me. Right. Then somebody took her outside and said, you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think that was a good thing to say just to make her realize like, no, there isn't, I wouldn't be willing to give up one of them. I wouldn't like, and I could never pick to give up one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was one of the very first things, and that was early then, right? right. And that was early, early days. Yeah, the mm -hmm. second day after he died, maybe somewhere in there. The days are fuzzy. Yeah. The times are fuzzy. Um, I yeah, there. I mean, clear. I could go into. Uh, I remember some things. I remember the the 
the dress I had on and all those kind of things. Yeah. And I remember always hollering, uh, yeah. screaming, and, you know, crying yeah. a lot, a lot of crying. Yeah. 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 It's so funny because we, I went to a support group shortly afterwards, but it was maybe the second session. So it was, I don't know, maybe even close to a year after Andy died, that we had a session and it was on lament and really showing lament and crying. And, you know, lament is used a lot in the Bible. You hear a lot about people lamenting. But then when we really talked about it, I I remember saying to the other people there, I said, I always just called it the bad cry. Like when I was doing the really bad cry, when I was like just wailing and sobbing and completely out of control. And I thought that is when I was really showing lament. And that is a, that is a healthy response and a good response. Yeah. But instead of my mind, it was like, that's the bad cry. That's what I don't want to do. But when you think of it as lament, it's a thing that you need to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is about and he wrote the book of lamentations so yeah about showing showing lament Mm -hmm. yeah and i always knew that as our family and the various funerals that we have experienced the death and loss and crying and hollering and wailing Mm -hmm. is is the way for me to get released yeah and it isn't the way for everyone, but it, right. when it is the way for mm-hmm. you, it's good to let it oh, out, yeah. to really yeah. do that. Because if you are forced by people around you, society in general, to hold that all in, yeah. when that is your natural mechanism to let mm-hmm. it out, it just holds back right. your healing so right. much. Right. Well, I always tell people mm-hmm. to holler. I will. I I say, go outside and holler. Go run or scream or what have you. And after William's death, that I became the person that would help people. And I said, hey, call me. I'll I'll holler with you. And And I've had people say to me, uh, some men, I can think of a dad in particular that said, I was always just so afraid Mm -hmm. that if I started crying... I would never stop. Uh, I hear that a lot. And I'm like, you know what? You will stop. And it will be a huge release for mm-hmm. you if you can do it. If you can let it go, it mm-hmm. it can be scary. Mm-hmm. And it can be scary for other people. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I remember my foster son finding me up doing the lament cry mm-hmm. in Andy's room one day. Months after Andy died, I was just sobbing, mm-hmm. just uncontrollably on the floor. And he came up and he, you could tell he was just had no idea what to do. Right. And and it and it doesn't help that he is from Guatemala, from a family that is not really emotionally uh, oh. great and emotionally supportive. So I think that was really hard for him to see. But he just like kind of patted me a little bit and it it was nice that he was trying and I think overall it ended up being good for him to see me completely fall apart but I still probably I can't promise you but I still probably made him dinner that night right I mean that release 
can give me the ability to now be able to do some of those things. And had I held it all inside, I may have just been paralyzed in bed that day and not be able to do anything. But the fact that I did take the time to let it all out made me so I could still make the family dinner and things like that. So. I'm 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 glad you were able and uh, like you said around kids you try to guard them and yeah. protect them. Yeah. And he fortunately is a little older he's 20 20 at the time. So you know it wasn't tiny. I I mean I I even don't think at, at Peter at 12 I think I held back a little. I don't think I let him see the full screaming and hollering. I mean sometimes you just have to but uh it's 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 good to do it in, I think, in pieces, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So do you want to move on next? We're going to jump now ahead. Mm-hmm. Thir- or Let's see now. That's going ahead a long ways. I was going to say 13 years, but it's 23 years later with your, when you're second lost. Yes. Right. So you had a good number of years with the four kids, they all grew up. They all started kind of careers on their own. So what happened then with Amir in 2013? Well, Amir was 29. Mm-hmm. He had he would move in and out back and forth from the house to his own place. And he had a troubled teen, uh, teenage. He had a lot of issues, struggles, challenges. Mm-hmm. And we started out going to therapy together, but uh, Emir had some issues and he, he just did all kinds of things and got into trouble, legal situations and all that. But this, at the time, the year of, of his death, he had moved out and living with his girlfriend and doing tattoo parties all the time and doing other odd jobs he was he still hadn't gotten Mm -hmm. settled settled i mean he was doing good doing better i'll put it that way right he died in august 1st 2013 was a thursday and my daughter was coming home from tennessee and uh, she's part of a sorority and we were going to have a going away party for her to go when she's going back to Tennessee. And so Emir was supposed to come over to the house and help me put up some tents and get the backyard straight and all that stuff. So I'm waiting on him to come. His girlfriend calls me and says, uh, we got to get to the hospital. I said, what? What you mean? You know, confusion and what have you. And we stopped what we're doing because I was maybe working in the back on some hostas or something. And we get to the hospital. And because of what I had went through with the hospital with William, I kind of, it was a different hospital, but I still had that same kind of feeling. Something's going on. Because they guarded me with William. They, 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 you know, took me here and took me there. And then, so when we get there to the hospital, they said, um, Tom's family, we want you to um, wait here. I said, no, I'm not waiting. Take me to my child now. Mister. Yeah. Hold on. I said, no, I don't know what's going on. Well, I, there was just things that I had already built up 
that I was adamant about. I wasn't going to just sit and wait and take. Mm-hmm. And well, because you've done that already. Yeah, you've done that before. Right. I, I wanted to know. Yeah. Take me to my child. How what's going on? Anyway, there was times in between. There were a lot of uh, uh, medical personnel in the hallway as we went past a certain room, which had, which I later found out was the room where he was at. They were doing things to get him back and resuscitated or what have you. But I could see the different uniforms, the white coats, the blue of the EMS, and yeah. the, you know, I I could see all of that. There was so much, mm-hmm. so much stuff, and I just and it, it 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 was it was very hard, very difficult. But I knew something had happened. It took him a little while to come, and they said the doctor's going to come and explain what's what. Well, Emir had a seizure and died. Now wow. he never had seizures, never ever mm-hmm. before. We all know that death is basically your 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 heart stops working yeah. and you die. But so I knew that. But how? What? Right. Emir did smoke marijuana, but I know marijuana wouldn't kill you. I knew that. <laughs> right. I just what? So basically, uh, on his death certificate, it was the cause of death is unknown. Wow. Because. Um, his father worked with uh, medical exams and mm-hmm. he, he he knew some lingo. He knew things to ask and things like that because he was, he's still, my ex-husband is still, um, and he'll do the funerals. He's played for funerals. Before, all, we we yeah. both would go to people's funerals, talk to people and all that. That's the kind of thing we did together. He knew some things to do. We went to down to the medical examiners and trying to find out what, how did he, nothing. Right. They, they had no answer, no cause. They, and, and it was like a six month wait and delay. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet it took a long time. But my husband knew some of the examiners uh, because at mm-hmm. one time he was an autopsy assistant. So he knew some things and he knew some people and he had been down to the the morgue so many times to pick up and, you know, deliver or what have you. Right. So they, they, you know, listened to him and, and tried to comfort him during all those times. Now, you know, these years later, I feel that Amir must have had a heart attack, even though they did not. Yeah. say it on the, the, the cause of death. Yeah. But that's what the, the death certificate just says unknown. And so that unknown reason seemed to haunt me and plague me. And For sure. His friends would come and say, well, was it this and was it that? And That's the thing. And people always want to then have some sort of reason. Right. And, oh. It's just so hard when there isn't one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember my therapist saying to me that the mom, especially because she works a lot with bereaved moms, always wants to know exactly what happened, right? And I'm always haunted by the fact that I have no memory of the 30 minutes after he died. And I recently actually had someone reach out to me on Facebook because they had just seen me on 
TV because I was just interviewed on TV with some of the stuff with his graduation and reached out and gave me a few more details and actually told me that I was walking around beside, behind our van and it actually kind of bothered me because now I know I was walking and yet I still don't know. So I think about that not knowing what is happening and how that just can eat at you. So just like for me, not knowing what the woman, what in the heck the woman was doing when she hit the car, because there's no reason she should have. And for you, it's like, why did this possibly happen to a totally healthy 29 year old guy? Right. And you just feel like you want answers to be able to know why something happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure everyone then ends up getting their like ideas as to why something happened. Mm -hmm. And that can't be easy to hear either. It's not. um, Most of them, my daughter or uh, Emir's dad sort of fielded or shielded me from because they knew people might say something crazy because they and they knew how I felt about crazy things that people say. (laughs) Yeah. Because I had, you know, had started the book and they knew about it because they've seen the rough drafts and first drafts and all that and uh yeah they knew to sort of protect me or guard me from what people would do and anyway they tried yeah at the the uh we had the two-day service thing the the viewing the night before and then the next day right, the funeral right, right. at the viewing we stayed at the funeral home and because we knew, I knew most of Emir's friends, and he had friends of all nationalities. Uh, because you know where we live, he was just that kind of guy. And because of his mm-hmm. his art, his, the, his yes, I was thinking too. Yeah, people would uh, just gravitate to him, just loved him, and um, and then I, I'm open and friendly. And then Emir's dad, because he's played so many funerals and weddings there was just going to be a lot of people and his friends, people that he's tatted up came and started showing me their tats. That was so overwhelming. And, and it was like, what? Cause here's the lady coming up and doing this and and showing me (laughs) legs and pulling up down. I was, like, I was like, I don't need to see extra skin. Thank you. Oh, man. But what a beautiful thing that there are pieces of Amir all over, right? Yeah. I just think how beautiful and amazing that is to just know that there are little bits of him all over your whole community and people remembering him. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, they've done um, some, you know, Facebook posts. And mm-hmm. like I said, Demir has some challenges and issues, and he would be doing stuff. We went on vacation, and Demir had a party at the house, and they taped oh, it. Dear. It mm-hmm. was wild. Oh, no. When we came home, <laughs> there was ketchup in the ceiling, but they tried to wipe it. But, you know, ketchup stains or tomato sauce. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I found stuff for like a week later. 
you know, beer cans rolling under from under the couch. They they did. They tried to get it all out and what have you. It, it was it was something. But there there's and, and Emir also did uh, beats, be uh, um, musical beats. Okay. And he was and he did records and songs and he rapped. He was a, a, a artist rapper. Uh huh. So I've got his a playlist of his songs, oh, so I can hear his that's voice. Awesome that's like me with my Andy. I can hear his voice because he's saying, "Oh, yeah, I love that." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's funny. That story of the party reminds me that was a mama interviewed a long time ago now who had her son. Somehow they were he was messing around at his bedroom or something. Or Actually, you know what? It wasn't even somebody I had on the podcast. It's someone I met, a friend of mine. And they they had somehow broken a hole in his bedroom wall. Oh, yeah. But what he did is he covered it with a poster. Oh, yeah. A big full-length poster. And his parents didn't know until the friend shared the story, like, at the funeral. And so they went home after the funeral, and sure enough, there's a huge hole in the wall. Isn't that crazy? That is. But that's the kind of kid Emir was. He, he would do yeah, things. Yeah, I know. That reminded me the same. It, it, yeah, the stories, I could do a whole book on just Emir. And all mm-hmm. the... Um, he kept me praying, he, um, yeah. for sure. So let's move and talk about the book a little bit now, because that's when the book came out, really, was after Amir died. So you'd been starting to kind of work on mm-hmm. it in all of those weird years after William. So was it after Amir's death that you felt more yes. motivated, I would say? to Amir's death yeah, was, that was the, the push. push. It's like, oh, you know, people need to know. Yeah. And again, for all of the stuff that people said to me that hurt me or mm-hmm. all of the things that are said across the pulpit and yeah. the combination of pulling that together, I needed people to understand when you say this at this point in someone's life, this is what you're really saying and this is what it yes. means and this is why it hurts. And this is what right. you should say or do instead. Right, right, right. It is sad, but you're right. I love how you said it can come across the pulpit as well, because a lot of times these comments are from Christian people yes. who are really trying to say a thing that is comforting. Mm-hmm. But it ends up not being that way. So uh, that uh, a good example of me is I always felt like when I would get some of those comments said to me about just, you know, just about how Andy's in heaven now and kind of like you shouldn't really be sad because he's in heaven and he's happy and wouldn't he want me to be happy and all that. So those comments then now I not only am sad and missing Andy, but now I'm feeling really guilty because I'm thinking now I'm a really bad Christian. Because if I was a good Christian, then I would feel happy about this, right? And so now I'm feeling like I'm a, I'm a sad, awful, you know, person in a sad place and I'm not a good Christian anymore. So it ends up doubling you feeling bad even though there 
the whole reason they said it was because they want to make you feel better. So what do you think about that? It's crazy because people don't really know Christ, I think, when they say that. Yeah. Because, see, I understand where people go or, or where, basically, you know, your body is just a shell. So yeah, nobody's in heaven yet. They're, they're, they're all, you know, their bodies have gone. Their soul is resting in special place with the Lord and their spirit, of course. I don't really want to go real heavy and deep into that, but, but, but I'll say that. Right. We don't have to go really into that. Mm -hmm. People say people, you know, people are in heaven to make people feel better. They're they're not. No matter what we do to the body, be it from the cremation to um, the embalming and and putting in the, the lavish casket or what have you, it's just, that's not them. Right. Right, that's not that. Emir, right. William, and Elon are always with me, period. No matter how it goes and how it looks, I go to, I move to Australia, if I go to Antarctica, whatever, wherever I may be, they're with me. And they will never die as long as I, you know, as I'm alive. And I will always be hurting and missing them. Until I die. And so when people, you know, say, well, you know, your Christianum is not, should not come into play as far as how you would be, you know, if you're a good Christian or a bad Christian, you're an excellent Christian. Because if you love Christ, that's what makes you right, a Christian. Right, right, right. You know, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but how you do and respond and act and, and, in the book, I state the, the answer to that question. I put, um, I, they're trying to, uh, to me, it's like, I, I, I'm a good mother. And I have to know that because I felt so much guilt when William died. Sure, of course. And like, if I only had a, this and that, so I beat myself up and I'll tell him, Hey, I beat myself up enough. You don't have to add to it. <laughs> right. Wherever my kids, you know, their soul is resting, their spirit is, you know, with with the Lord or what have you, their bodies no longer work. So that's why they're dead. And I'm not comforted by you telling me you should feel good that they're in heaven. That's not good. Yeah. Because I I, I could have kept, I could have taken care of them. I could have helped. Right. Them. I could have helped them to, to move on, to flourish, to make better decisions, or what have you. Um, so you're not comforting me by saying they're somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's, yeah. you know, I understand it, but I'm away yes. from the punch of of death. Right. I'm away. It from. almost just makes me feel a little bit upset and angry. Yeah. If you, you, that. They, they, you you kicked me in, you dumped me in the throat. You kicked me. You took the breath, breath out of me just to right. tell me, well, he's in a better place. And, and I'm going, yeah. how do you know? <laughs> right. Have you been there and back? I don't You know, according to the right. Bible. That's you know, a good point. Too. Yeah. I mean, we know Jesus is resurrected and he, you know, let us know how things go. Lazarus tells us the story yeah. of that, but. Those are the only people that can really kind of tell, you know, they've gone. And And, and even the story of Lazarus, 
you know, there Jesus wept. Yes. Yeah. And he likely knew that he had, you know, he obviously knew he had the ability to get him back. Yeah. And he still wept anyway. Still wept. So I think that's why it, it really people have to understand. Let us weep. Absolutely. Let us yes. mourn. Please. Yeah. Jesus wept mm-hmm. and he raised Lazarus three minutes later yeah. and he still took the time yeah. to weep yes. and mourn. Yes. And so that's so yeah, when it comes down to being a Christian, that I just smile at people and and so well, I'm glad you can. They, yeah, they, yeah. they don't mean, know. I know sometimes I will get a little, you know, smarmy, I would say, and that, you know, because sometimes people will say they will do this one. It's all part of God's plan. And I don't really like that one either. Yeah. <laughs> so my response, depending on the circumstances, yeah. will be, well, for me, God's plan really stands yeah. today. And I and I and I said that so many times, and I never did start recovering from William's death because I was angry at God. I was like, "Wait a minute! I'm a Christian, and I'm doing these things. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm the director of the choir. I'm directing in yeah. uh, uh, Christian education for Vacation Bible School. Why'd you take my child? All these other moms and dads out here just acting a fool." you know, take theirs. Right. And it's like, no, because then I'm saying the same thing as this other lady is saying, okay, well, at least you right. got four right. others. No. <laughs> right. That, right. That's, and I, and that, and that helped me in developing the, oh. the uh, answers in the book. Right. Right. So yeah, I love that. So you go through the book and you say, these are some things that were said to me. This is what you say instead. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is a kind of book I think you recommend for your friends and family. Go get this so you don't fall into those traps of saying the wrong thing. Because the other thing I get is that then people get scared that they're going to say the wrong thing. And so they say nothing. Mm -hmm. And to me, I tell people, when you say nothing, that's worse to me. Because I'd rather have you say the wrong thing and at least have tried for than to have you say nothing. Because when you say nothing, then I think you don't care and you don't remember at all. And in fact, it might be because you were just so scared to say anything that you were going to say the wrong thing that you said nothing. So that's why I think I love the what you did because you didn't just go through and say they did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. You gave ideas as to how to turn that same sentiment mm-hmm. and what they meant mm-hmm. and say something good yeah. instead, yeah. right? Yes. And give them the tools to be able to say the right say thing. Say the right thing, yeah. Yeah, I just had someone this last week. I, we had this camp dedication and I had one of my coworkers say, I hope you enjoy today or something. And I just said, thanks. I didn't say anything else. But obviously, that was not a great word to use because I'm going to cry through the entire thing. And it's not going to be an enjoyable experience. Um, And then she wrote back. She said, I'm sorry if that was the wrong thing to say. I don't know what to say. So I just said that. And I said that. And then I wrote that back to her. I said, the big thing is, is I'm so appreciative of the fact that you tried. And And then I said, I'm not sure I will be able to enjoy today. But I really appreciate the way that they're honoring Aunt yeah. today. 
And then, and she wrote back and said, appreciate, that's a better word than enjoy. And so, and I was just going to let it go, but I'm really glad that I did actually kind of correct her, especially when she said, I was so worried I was going to say the wrong thing because she almost didn't send anything for her to me to now give her the right word to have put in its place because I didn't enjoy Monday. Not a bit of me enjoyed Mm -hmm. Monday. Did I appreciate it? Yes, Mm -hmm. 100%. Did I love seeing those camp counselors and letting them know a little bit about my son Mm -hmm. so they can help share because it's a Christian camp. It's a Bible okay. camp. So they're going to learn about Jesus. Yeah. So I I loved being able to share my son's faith mm-hmm. so that they could know how key it is to be able to share that with other kids, mm-hmm. right? And in their, their faith journeys as well. So I appreciated it to no end. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad we did it. But enjoying wasn't quite the right word. <laughs> Yeah, it's where you are at the moment to say enjoy or appreciate. You'll later, maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, enjoy the memories and the pictures and looking back upon it, but you'll still be at an appreciative state. But it's fresh. When when things are fresh, it's a different attitude that you have. And the whole thing is, is that even I don't know, or you don't know exactly what's going to jab or what's going to hurt, or, you know, the cut is there and you put the vinegar or the lemon or the onion or whatever, whatever stings you into it. Um, Antibiotics, when the cuts come uh, or back, Mm -hmm. uh, what is it, Bactine or what have you with the scrapes. Mm-hmm. It hurts initially and mm-hmm. gets rid of the infection. So you're glad the infection is gone, but it still hurts, still stings. Yeah. And that's death. It's a sting. So your book has been out for how long now? A year. A year. So it's been out a year. And how can people get that book? Um, through Amazon. Okay. Wonderful. And the name again is it'll be on the website. Yes. But what did you say? What what did you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you say? Yeah. And you've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. and it, it's it's beautiful. I like the picture on that. Yeah, it took me a while to, to get that. Mm-hmm. So I don't now we do need to go on to talk about Alan and your final loss, which actually came after the book was published. Yeah which is, again, just mind-blowing to me that that would happen. So you published this book a year ago now, and then last December, you had tragedy strike again. So talk about that a little bit. Because the book was out and because of people that know me and uh, friends, family, and what have you, most people didn't say anything. Yeah, they did say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So they, they knew, you know, the only thing they really could do is just call or text or say, yeah, I love you. And so I didn't have anything. So what happened with Alon? Alon's, goodness, 43, married for the second time. He and his second wife, they, we all lived in, in, uh, in Michigan or Rumbles together. They and 
but his first wife and three daughters live in Texas. So Elon decided to, him and his second wife, to move to Texas to be closest to his girls, closer to his girls. Mm-hmm. They weren't having a good time. They weren't, they were, kind of, you know, at odds, the first wife and the second wife and the kids, the yeah. kids are teenager, teenaged years. Elon had some stuff in a garage at the apartment where he was living and someone had broken in and taken his things. Okay, so things are missing out of his garage because they had moved stuff is in storage and all that. And there was a camera, but it, I'm not sure if it was at the right angle to see that people had got where they had gone in. And then the garage door was broken. So Elon was going to the front office to let them know something's wrong with my garage door and people have stolen yeah. my stuff. If he got a chance to get all that information in, I'm not sure. In the middle of the night or that early that morning before his death, there was an argument with people around uh, the the apartment complex. He met up with some guy. They were outside talking. And the guy was saying that uh, he knew who had the stuff and Elon was fighting. Now, how I know that information is that someone else was taping it, uh, you know, on their phone, okay. the videotaping it. Mm-hmm. And they sent that videotape to my daughter. So I got a chance to watch Elon and this guy exchange words. We still don't know exactly who did it because I think that the people that were involved, they moved, the, or they, you know, they, they got mm-hmm. put out of the complex. Anyway, Elon comes home early the next day. Again, in the back of his mind, I'm sure he's thinking about who has uh, broken into it and who may have it and what have you. He, he gets home. His, his wife tells me she hears knocking on the door. She hears Elon and some guys arguing. And, his, and the whole thing is fuzzy to me. So right. the, the exact details, uh, I can't really tell you i know yeah she's okay. she's um his his second wife is is you know she's trying to she got to try to get a lawyer the lawyer told her there's no way she she wanted to get his name proved that proving that basically elon went and knocked on the door or he was ambushed into thinking these are the guys that took your stuff he not in the door the guy comes back and shoot Elon because Elon is getting uh, agitated and talking or what have you. Again, real fuzzy. The story came out that Elon broke into a house and got shot. So, yeah. It's hard to know. Yeah. It, it's definitely hard to know. I, I, Elon had, has always had a temper from four years old, you know, you know, if he didn't get his way or what have you, he got in trouble with, uh, in kindergarten, they was going, you sit, you know, sit him in the corner all the time. I had to go up and see what's going on. He didn't bit somebody or something, you know, so there was always this kind of thing going on with him and he could get quick. He, he could get mad real quick, you know, kind of like that zero to 60 Mm -hmm. 
zero to a hundred with him. Yeah. So I, I just say his temper got him into trouble. Yeah. He wouldn't let him go. He wouldn't let it go. And he wanted his stuff that was in the garage. He just wasn't going to let it go. So then you have to go through this all again, losing your third son. And then, you know, and having him be shot Mm -hmm. and killed. I mean, all of your kids died so suddenly. None of them from like, you know, you consider it more natural illness or anything like that just all of them out of the blue mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so his I've, I've come to terms that god knows the answers yeah. to his death right. and i'm finally not as angry because i was basically angry at a lot for yeah. not letting it go not yeah. easy enough for getting into a bad circumstance. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, his wife said it was it was um, some cars, motor driven, uh, uh, remote control cars. Elon liked to collect stuff, oh. and some other thing. Oh, some shoes. Elon loved gym shoes. Him and Emir both did. I mean, they they would you know talk about the latest this and the latest that and. Jordans and Nike and whatever, it would, you name it. I, I I've never been into that kind of stuff. But the, the, as them, they would they love shoes. So those kind of things, they're material things. That he's gone. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, it's hard for me to even think about having to go through that again. Like you have, I. It is interesting to hear you say though that having had all your family and friends read that book that you put out really changed how they talk to you though. So, because I, I know in our email exchanges, you said not one person has said something that like stood out to you as a really bad thing. And that I think shows really how much that is needed. Like uh, just a little guide like your book to be able to tell people, please say these type of things instead because they can be really helpful and to me when I'm going through the very worst experience I could ever imagine and avoid saying those other things because they actually can make it feel a little bit worse even though you don't mean it. So that was really beautiful for me to read. You say that in the past now six months since... Elon died, you've not had anybody say anything really stupid to you. No, and definitely nothing <laughs> I would put in a book, the things that right. would say, because there's no alternative answers. Because mm-hmm. the people that know Elon know his temper or been a, right. a brunt uh, of his, or been, been a part or a recipient of his temper. <laughs> you know, because, right. you know, right. words have exchanged and they've gotten into fights and because, you know, Elon would just show up somewhere and tell me, did you say this about so-and-so and so? You know, he would do those kind of things. So for, for them, it's like, I knew his mouth was going to get him in trouble. Basically, is the right message that has come across mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. different people. And they would do everything they could to not say it to me. But I get it because right. I already know 
Well, and you end up thinking those thoughts too. And it's funny how I've said this on the podcast before about how there are things you can say to yourself that it's okay if you say them to yourself, but if other people say them to you, then it's not okay. So that's one of those things too. You can say to yourself, I knew that his mouth was going to get him in trouble, but you sure appreciate it with other people don't say that yeah, to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing that that's I could nice. tell people, you know, don't jump on, on the, on the bandwagon. Don't add, say like, girl, yeah. Or a man or whatever. Yeah. You right. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, no, you don't have to. No. Let it, let it go. And I've, I've forgiven the people because I just have to move on. I have yeah. to to move on from the, the lady, the, the the automobile accident. The lady didn't see William, and and yeah. killed him. Forgiven. Circumstances, yeah. whatever. I, there's nobody to forgive for a mere. <laughs> so it's like no. He just stopped breathing and yeah. Yeah. And so I try to internalize what does that mean to be without them? Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the thing that's coming, I'm looking forward to in August, Elon's oldest daughter is having a baby. Oh. So I have a great grandson coming in August. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So that's, that's you know, something, you know, and, and I have nine granddaughters. Oh, so um, this is your first grandson? So this is my first great, well, oh. my first great grand. And it's a boy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's good. Now, the last conversation me and Elon had was he's he was upset that she had gotten pregnant. Oh. I was happy. And I told him to say, hey. <laughs> She's 19. She's grown. Yeah. And grown people yeah. do grown things. Yeah. I mm-hmm. said so. Yeah. Well, Sharita, I so appreciate you sharing your boys with us today and your wisdom, because I do feel like you have such a good amount of wisdom to share with all of us and that we can help. I think maybe the people trying to support us by telling them really what are good things to say um, instead of what might instinctively come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Say and do. Do different things. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. 
Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.